Welcome to this podcast where we're going to talk about something inspiring like email delivery and email, smart delivery of email. And uh, Adrian Savage is um, one guy I've been following for, uh, yeah, three, four years now. And he's the expert on how to get more of your emails into the inbox to the people that you want to serve and get the message out to. So, so what we're going to talk today, we are going to make this inspiring, even if it's a kind of technical boring topic adrian and i know that you're super busy you just come back from a conference in us and you are launching your business uh, with our new product so i'm really happy to have you here so thank you for uh, thank you for doing this podcast together with me adrian thanks better really really happy that you've invited me and really looking forward to sharing a few little gems and i'm going to do my best to keep it as non-technical as possible and try and keep people awake so let's see how we do so how did you start to be interested in email delivery like uh, how did that happen in your life i guess it's it's more directly related to when i got involved in the whole online marketing space um i've been i've been a geek and into technology since i was about seven years old um which is rather scary now i've just turned 49 which means i've been in the it world for like 42 years now which makes me feel ancient um but I did the usual thing, went to, went, went to university, um, got a degree in computing and worked in the corporate world for many, many years, helping other people make lots of money. Um, then had a bit of a, a aha moment 10 and a half years ago um, where I ended up quitting my job um, and had to find something new to do. And I, I started learning a lot about online marketing um, and very very quickly i saw that there was a demand for people who wanted to do online marketing but they just didn't have the the kind of the tech skills to do it so i discovered software that was then called infusionsoft it's now called keep and i started learning that um, started helping people use use infusionsoft and very quickly we found that some people even back then were struggling to get their emails through they might be just the emails going to the spam folder or it may be the emails just you know they weren't even appearing at all sometimes and in the early days I lost a few clients because I didn't know how to solve that. Um, so I started learning a lot more than most people around, well, how does email actually get sent? How does it get handled by the different mailbox providers? Um, and started working out how I could make it easier for people to get their emails delivered. Um, I wrote some software back in 2015 that helped people solve specific problems there. Um, and although... I was kind of going in this direction of helping people get their emails into the inbox. Then I was still trying to be a general kind of Infusionsoft consultant as well. And I finally got the message from the universe about four years ago and gave up on that. So literally for the last four years, all that I focus on is helping people get their emails into the inbox rather than trying to do what everyone else does with you know, building campaigns and things like that. Because there's lots of people that do that. And there's very few people that really have got a good understanding as to how you can get as many emails as possible into the inbox. So that's been my focus since then. Um, and since then, I've developed a lot more software and really got into much more detail around how we can get emails delivered. 
And I was also very fortunate to connect with the, the guy who's now my, my partner in, this, in the email smart business, Evan Samarin. Um, he's based in Las Vegas. And we complement each other really well because he really goes right down into the weeds, into the kind of technical stuff around content and various other things that can make a big difference for having successful emails. Um, I've got the software side of things. And together, we cover pretty much everything. So we've come up with this new brand called Email Smart because... What we're trying to do is we're trying to almost banish the word deliverability from people's vocabularies, because, as you said at the start, it doesn't sound that interesting a subject. Mm. It, it sounds technical. People think that they've got a lot of work to do and I, and I need to dispel that myth. And, and also something that I've learned over the years is that deliverability always seems to be someone else's problem. You know, time and time again, you see in Facebook groups and online forums and things like that, you see people putting posts up saying MailChimp has got a deliverability problem. Active Campaign has got a deliverability problem. Keep has got a deliverability problem. And something that I've learned is that every single one of those platforms has people using the platforms that get an amazingly phenomenally successful rate of getting their emails seen by their audience you know we're talking as much as 98 90 98 99% of the people they send emails to will read the emails they send in you know within a month or something like that so if people using those platforms can get 98 99% success why are the people getting 30 or 40% success blaming the platform when it's very clear that the platform is doing the job it should? So what I'm, what, what I'm really sharing now is how people can take action themselves to make sure that everything that they're doing within their own control is going to maximize the chances of getting those emails through. Because it doesn't matter if you've got the best copy in the world, it doesn't matter if you've got the best content, the best offer in the world. If people aren't seeing the emails you're sending, then you're not going to make any money. So this is all about how to help people get more of their emails seen so that they will make more sales because that's what we all want to do. Yeah, yeah and it's uh, also true because what we are doing when we are are a marketer like uh, i'm just like we are spending like we are spending thousands or ten thousand or hundred thousand of uh, dollars every year to to market and what we get back is normally the email address uh, and that's like our asset that is how we can yeah uh, yeah utilize this money and get the best return on investment so of course it's so important to, to get this email into the yeah, into the email box so so when so what, what is the biggest mistakes people are doing like when it comes to sending emails or or trying to get it into like what what is the first thing like is the red red flag that you're seeing when you're looking at uh, so email lists and the the biggest mistake is that people are still marketing they're still sending emails like it's 2012 they're, they're behaving as if nothing has changed in the last 10 years of email um Whereas that it changes all the time. There's a constant evolution of email because 10 years ago, all you had to do was build the biggest email list you could. And then you just mail the hell out of it and keep mailing everybody until they either buy or they die or they unsubscribe. And that's how people used to market. And the people that are still doing that now are the ones that are really getting into trouble. Because the problem we've got is that 
over the last 10 years, then three giant mailbox providers have really grabbed the email world in a stranglehold grip. We've got Google um, and a typical email list will be made up of more than 50 to 60 percent of addresses that live on Google, whether it's Gmail or Google Workspace, which is the business side of Google. Um, we've got another 10 to 20 percent of people that be living on Microsoft. That might be Hotmail or um, Outlook.com or Microsoft 365, which is their business version. And we've got another 15 to 20% of people on Yahoo. Um, <clears throat> so you put all that together and between three quarters or up to 90% of a typical email list is going to be controlled by the three giants that I've just mentioned. Um, and the thing that we have to bear in mind is that if, if someone is in charge of the email like that, then we have to follow their rules. And it's you know, the same way that historically people have always wanted to be number one on Google for search engines. And the whole search engine optimization business came about. And that's people trying to second guess what rules Google have got in place to decide who's going to be number one. An email is just like that. Unfortunately, Google, Microsoft and Yahoo don't share the exact rules that they use to decide whether an email is going to go into the junk or the spam folder or the promotions tab or the inbox or, or whatever. So we have to actually observe from what we're doing and what our clients are doing to see what works and what doesn't work. <clears throat> and the challenge that we've got is that Google and Yahoo in particular, they, they give free email services away. And of course, there's no such thing as free. So if you're using Gmail, if you're using Yahoo for your email, then unfortunately, if the, if, the, if the service is free, then it means that you're the product. It means that Google is selling advertising. Yahoo is selling advertising. And they want to display that adverts. And that happens when someone opens an email. If nobody opens the emails, they can't display any adverts. So they're going to hate the people sending emails that don't get opened. And they're going to love the people that send the emails that do get opened but people don't necessarily realize that yet. And Microsoft, they're not quite so strong on advertising, but they just hate email marketers and they just put every single obstacle <laughs> and barrier in the way possible to get emails through at all. So it means that we've got these three big giants and they've each got their slightly different rules, but the good news is it, it, it all boils down to the same thing, which is you know, the more emails you can get opened, the more you're gonna get rewarded by these three big mailbox giants. So I think you know, the moving on to the, the real mistake there, yes, people aren't changing their habits, but then there's a, a huge misconception. Um, and you know, if, if you're listening to this now or watching this now, then have a think about this question for a moment. Your email list is an asset. Now, is that true or is that not necessarily quite so true as we'd like it to be? And what, what, what do you think, Petra? I'll, I'll put you on the spot and ask for your opinion and then I'll, I'll share my observations. Um, I believe it's true, but maybe it's not true. But like, yeah, that's why I have an email list that uh, it's uh, assets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is the thing, we have been conditioned, we've been brought up to believe that an email list is one of our greatest assets. And to a certain extent, it absolutely can be. But the, but the frightening thing that people aren't sufficiently aware of now is that a good chunk of any email list will probably be made up of liabilities, not assets. And it can be as much as 30%, in some cases, even 50% of an email list can be consisted of liabilities rather than assets. And if you keep sending emails to these people that are liabilities, then you are shooting yourself in the foot um, because the liabilities are the people that don't open emails anymore. 
And if you keep mailing those people, as I said, you know, Google and Yahoo is the perfect example because they want to make advertising revenue. The more emails you send to people that aren't opening them, the more you are hurting yourself by continuing to do this. And it's fair to say there might have been a chicken and egg problem if you go back enough years that maybe some emails didn't get through to people because there was some kind of other problem. Um, but we can't change the past. All we can look at is where we're at right now. If people, if you're sending emails out to people and they're not opening them, it means that Google and Microsoft and Yahoo aren't going to like you. So we've got to get better and working out, you know, being really clear on who are the assets on our mailing list and we want to send more emails to them and who are the liabilities and we want to pretty much stop sending emails to those. Because one thing you mentioned is, and, you know, and this is probably the most important point to make, um, in marketing, we spend tens, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars every year on lead generation. It could be Facebook adverts, it could be media, it could be, you know, there's all different ways that we want people to see our message and ultimately want them to fill in a form on a website somewhere and give them our email address. Because that's the, you know, that's one of the targets here. Sure, in some cases, we can put an advert out there and sell to someone straight away. But unfortunately, very few people buy the first time they hear about something. The real genius in email marketing is the follow up. The more times we can keep in touch with our audience, the more clear a message we can get through to them, the more likely they are to take advantage of our offer. But if they don't see those emails in the first place, then we're, we're going to be out of luck. And this is the other really shocking fact is that if you're doing paid for marketing to build an email list, then it's possible that as many as 55% of all the leads that you're capturing will never see a single email from you. Hmm. And again, wow. this is because most people are still sending lots of emails to their liabilities. And the more liabilities you send emails to, the worse your reputation is with Google or Microsoft or Yahoo. And the worse your reputation is, the less likely it is that new people are going to see that first email that you send to them. And if, if new people don't see that first email that you send to them, you might as well give up there and then. Statistically, if you can't get someone to open an email in the first seven to 14 days after they've signed up to your list, they will probably never, ever see anything that you send out. So that mm -hmm. means it is really, really important that we do literally whatever it takes to make sure that every person who signs up to your mailing list is actually going to see the first email that you send out. And bearing in mind that even myself, as someone who's meant to be an email marketing expert and meant to know all about getting into the inbox, I would say that even 20 to 25% of the first emails that I send out can still land in the spam folder or in the junk folder. And if that's happening to me, then other people are going to be at least in such a bad situation and maybe worse. So what we have to do is we have to really stack the odds in our favor to make it as likely as possible that people are going to see that first email. Um, so that means, you know, and old old fashioned email marketers don't particularly like this because um, the traditional, you know, click funnels or, or other similar ways where you're actually sending people to a landing page and you're going to get them to either sign up to something or buy something. On the thank you page, normally we might display a one-time offer saying, hey, if you if you take this offer up right now, you can get a, you can buy something for maybe 10% of the normal price or something like that. And that's great if we can get them to do that. But even more important is make is putting a message on that first page as soon as they've put their email address in saying, thank you. We have just sent you an email. 
please go and find it in your email account. If it's not in the inbox, check the promotions tab. And if it's in the promotions, then please drag it back out of promotions and put it into the inbox. If it's not there, check your junk folder, check your spam folder. And if you find it there, please mark it as safe. Say this mail is okay. And then again, rescue it back out of the spam folder and tell your mailbox providers to put it into the inbox because you have to train them right from the get-go that the emails that you're receiving from this person you want to hear from are legitimate and they shouldn't be putting them into spam because unless you can get people to do that right from the start then the worst possible thing that can happen um, is if let's take, take google as an example if gmail decides to route an email into spam and the recipient leaves it there and does nothing with it then unfortunately that's telling google that it's okay for them to put every single email in the future into spam as well because they've made no effort to find it and no effort to actually engage with that person so when someone signs up to our list for the first time it's really really vital that we're doing as much as we can by putting very detailed instructions on our thank you pages. Some people put videos, some people put lots of step-by-step -step instructions so that people are really walked through the process of how to make sure that first email is seen. And once that first email is seen, then we still need to encourage people to check in the future. And that's why really well-written welcome emails will often say, make sure you check back tomorrow for the email that I'm gonna send you about X, Y, Z. So it's always getting them to anticipate that next email. So they're getting into the habit of looking for your emails, anticipating them, looking forward to them. And if it doesn't show up, then hopefully they'll go and check in the spam folder again, because sometimes Google can be a little bit slow on the uptake. Sometimes it takes two or three goes before you rescue your emails from the spam, before Google actually realizes that this person really does want to hear from me. So it takes a bit of work there. And this is why things like, you know, um, welcome sequences with open loops and things like that and telling people what to expect. Um, and the one that I, I really like, um, I know lots of people do this now. I saw Daniel Throssell do this. He was the first person I saw where he has what he calls the time traveler. So every email they send out, he puts a little link in there saying, if you click this link now, I'll send you the next email straight away. So again, you're actually engaging with your audience and you're, you're motivating them and you're incentivizing them to actually engage with you sooner so that you're just making sure that the emails get through. So you know, it's, it's almost where it's not just a, you know, very little of this now is techie. A lot of this is just about doing whatever it takes just to, to use psychology to make sure people are doing things because there are steps we can take to make sure that we're doing other things to help our emails get to the inbox and i can talk about those in a little bit but there's no substitute for good old-fashioned psychology and just getting people to want your email so much they're going to go and find it if you can do that then you're, you're solving three quarters of the problem without having to do anything else so do you have any examples of people who have done this and uh, uh, before and after what what did they get out from it like in sales or in opening rate or something like that what, what so open open rates is an interesting one because obviously um there's so many different variables that can impact that um but the probably the, the most important statistic is looking at the percentage of people that are engaging with you know, the, sorry the percentage of new contacts that are engaging because as i said 
typically it can be as many as 55% of people that aren't engaging, which means that 45% are engaging. Um, and the clients that we've worked with over, say, you know, typically it's a two to three month period just to put everything in place. It is possible to get to the point where you're getting 80 to 90% of all new leads engaging with you. So that's effectively doubling the number of people that you can reach from the same Facebook ad spend or, or whatever else. So that means that the, the sad truth is many people right now are literally setting half of their Facebook ad budget on fire. Um, but if you can actually put the steps in place that I'm talking about today, then you can you can actually save either save yourself a lot of money and not have to spend as much on ads or for the same ad spend that you're getting, you can get twice as many people engaging with you and potentially making twice as many sales. So there is a massive upside to doing what I'm talking about here. Um, you know, that is that is just one part of it. Um, once we've gone beyond the kind of the psychological side and just getting people to, to look for those emails, then there's some other steps that you can take. Maybe this is a hard question for you to answer, but I know in uh, what we are teaching is teaching people to build funnels with webinar. And I see like uh, a decrease in show up rate on the webinar. So you, do you think the main reason is like they don't see the email or is it that people are fed up with webinar? Well, it, it's, a, it's a tough one. I think the honest answer is it's a bit of both. Because I, I remember the good old days 10 years ago where you could run a free webinar and you get a 60% show up rate. Um, and those days, unfortunately, are long gone. Um, but I think there is there's definitely... So, so yes, some of it is just it's harder to get people's attention, even if you land in the inbox. People receive more emails these days. There's more marketing, there's more events, there's more webinars. It is definitely harder to get people to show up from that perspective. Um, but I think if you take a few steps just to make sure those emails get through, then that can definitely make a difference. And we're not gonna double the show up rate for a webinar, I don't think, but you can probably increase it by 10, maybe even 25%, just by making sure that the emails are getting through. And also that's one of those things where, although I am one of the greatest um, promoters of email in the world, I will also remind people that email is never the only game in town. So if you're running a webinar, as an example, then there's no reason why you can't collect someone's mobile number and actually send them a text message reminder half an hour before the webinar starts and things like that. Um, I know some people that will actually send them an automated text message if they haven't seen them engage with an email that they sent out. So there might be an email with a call to action saying, click here to do whatever. If someone doesn't click, they might get a text an hour after the email was sent saying, hey, it's Adrian here. I'm just checking if you got my last email. So you're not actually, so, you, so you're less likely to get spam complaints from the text message you send. You're just using it as a way of, reminding people that they need to go and find the email that you sent out. So there's, there's, there's different ways that, that you can do that and just making sure that, you know, although email is a really important communication channel, then don't rely on that as the only game in town. Um, you know, even today, people don't use direct mail very much. They don't send letters out in the post anymore, but the ones that do and the ones that invest in that, and yes, it costs a significant investment, but the people that do that, they find again, they get a really good return because, it's, it's a different it's a different channel but that's not to say don't use email because email underpins everything it's just that you can use direct mail you can use text messaging you can use chat box you can use social media ads all kind of different things and email is just a, a, a you know a pivotal part of that um, but there are so many things that you can do then to make sure that that email gets through 
Um, and now's probably a, a good time just to introduce um, the acronym that helps people remember that because I didn't choose the email smart brand completely by accident because we actually made smart mean something. So smart stands for, um, firstly, the S stands for start smart and shift your thinking. And then we've got M for manage your engagement. We've got A for authenticate your emails. We've got R for reputation is everything. And then we've got the T, which is transform your content. And all of those different things relate to different, different actions that you can take to make it more likely for your emails to get through. Um, and I can come back to that in a minute, but I'll let you kind of chime in, see if you've got any other questions at this stage, Petter, before I just carry on in a big monologue. Yeah, um, yeah, I have a question that everyone always asks, and it's like, how often should I send the email to my list? That is perfect because this is one of the things that I cover right at the start in this in the starting smart part. Um, because we've talked about email, your email list being assets and liabilities. So let's assume for a moment that people have identified who their assets are. And in short, that's going to be someone who's opened one of your emails in the last 30 to 90 days. Anything beyond that, they're probably a liability. And there's ways that we can determine. But let's say if we're being super conservative, and we're being really, really um, very aggressive with our engagement management, we would say that we would consider our assets to be people that have only opened something in the last 30 days. Um, and let's supposing that... We're going to choose those as our assets and we're going to send emails to them. It is okay to send as many emails as you possibly can to those people. Um, now, I'm not going to suggest we do this every single day, but I've seen cases where in certain scenarios, people are sending four or five emails to their people in one day and they don't get into trouble for that and they have good results. Now, that's normally if you're doing some kind of launch or some kind of time critical thing where people need to take action on a certain day. So if you put that to one side, I would say that it's still okay, if you can, to send something out to your audience every single day because these are people who should be your biggest fans. They're the people that have asked for your content and they're expecting you to educate them, to entertain them, to inform them, um, and just keep them engaged. Because if they like you enough, they're going to read whatever you send out, as long as you're sending out good quality content. And I know that can be a challenge sometimes, and there is always going to be a small subset of people that don't want to receive that, any, that many emails. Um, but on the whole, if they don't like receiving your emails, they probably won't become a customer anyway. Um, so what I would recommend is just send emails as often as you can. So a lot of people struggle with sending an email every single day. Um, I did it for a month last year and I got amazing results from my business, but I found that the personal cost was too great. So I had to scale it back a bit. Um, but, you know, the days of sending one newsletter email a month are long gone. If you can't send at least one email per week, then Google and Microsoft and Yahoo are definitely going to penalize you. Um, if you can send something three times a week, then that's great. If you can send something every day, that's even better. Um, and just remember that people just want to hear about you and, and how you can help them and what your learnings are, all that kind of thing. And don't be afraid that people are going to think this person's sending me too many emails. If you want to actually guide against that, then you can put a little link at the bottom of your email saying, if you don't want to hear from me as often as I'm sending out now, click this link. And most email platforms will allow you to put a tag onto a contact when they click a certain link where you could tag people saying, send this person one email a week. 
So then you send most emails to your assets every single day. And the assets that you've decided that, that the assets that have told you they don't want to hear from you as often, maybe send them something once a week. And then the people that have engaged slightly further back, maybe between 30 and 90 days ago, will still send them an email every week or so. If you're sending weekly, then maybe you send to these people every two weeks, because until you get to about 90 days, some people are going to wake back up because nobody reads every single email. But at the same time, the longer it goes from the time when they last read one of your emails, the less likely that it is. So it is very important to have things in place to keep, uh, you know, to monitor how long it is since people opened your emails. And if it gets to the point where they haven't opened anything for 30 days and you've been sending enough emails in that time, you probably need to try and do something to wake them back up and get them to actually re-engage with you. Maybe send some specially designed email that's actually designed to, to give people a tickle and wake them back up. Something like, are you still there? Or I've got something really special for you. Something that's going to get them to, to wake back up. Because just like we talked about um, the, 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 the real target being to get people to read that first email you send, you want to make sure that you don't ever let people go. So they might not open two or three emails in a row, but if it gets to 30 days and they haven't opened anything, then you've definitely got to do, try and do something to get them back because otherwise the chances of them coming back to you later get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. But, nice. you know, I, I honestly believe, I don't think you can send too many emails because also you actually want people to unsubscribe from you. If, you, if they don't like what you're talking about, it's better that they vote with their feet and unsubscribe rather than you just get people ignoring you through apathy and then they just ignore you forevermore and they become one of your liabilities anyway. So I'd much rather be a little bit controversial, be a little bit polarizing and either get someone to either love me or not like me at all. And, um, and you say that uh, you couldn't continue with sending one email each day for yourself, but can you tell me how, how did you create the content for sending one each? Because I think many is like you, what you're saying, like, oh, I just, I just get stressed just sending one email. I'm yeah. problem with that. So, so do you have any, how did you create content for sending for a so long time? One? I, I've studied a few different people who advocate daily email strategies and they all, you know, and there's people out there that actually sell training courses on how to write daily emails and things like that. And I won't promote any one over another or anything like that. Um, but the principle behind all of them is just find different things to talk about because, um, you know, the, the nice thing about sending an email every single day is that as long as you focus on content, you can get away with having a little offer in every single email that you send. So a typical format might be some kind of story about yourself, something that's happened to you, something that's happening that day, segue into some kind of lesson you can teach someone, and then some kind of soft offer. So um, I'm trying to think of an example that I did now. Um, and I remember one, one day, it was Groundhog Day, I think. So I wrote about Groundhog Day and say, today's Groundhog Day. And I shared some little thing about history around that. And I used, and then from that I went into, um, but the thing is, if you're sending out emails all the time, as long as you're talking about different things, then it's not Groundhog Day because you can vary the content. You know, there's so many different things you can talk about. Um, and then from there, I went into a little offer where I was actually, <laughs> in my case, um, because 
because I'm, I'm an affiliate for one of the um, people teaching daily emails, I actually said, if you want to send emails like this, why don't you check out this particular course? And I put my affiliate link in there and some people click through to that and some people bought. Um, but the main thing is just about having as many different stories or, you know, either a bit of education, a bit of entertainment. Um, in most cases, people like to hear you talk about you because you know, most of us doing the type of marketing that we're doing, then we're either our own personal brand or a small brand that's still very much dependent on the people involved. So people want to hear about personal stories. If it was Coca-Cola, that might be a slightly different story because you know, no one cares what store, you know, no one really cares about the CEO of Coke and what he's been up to. Um, but you know, it's like if I, I went out on my boat for a day and I just I just put a photo of me on my boat and talked about that and still managed to link that back into some kind of learning. So there's always something you can do. Um, but I wasn't a natural. It took me about 30 to 40 minutes to write an email every single day and sometimes longer than that. So I found that was that was too much. But equally, you can also outsource a lot of this. You can get other people to write emails for you. That's more difficult because they've got to understand how your mind works and they've got to send emails that sound enough like you. But there are always ways of doing this. Um, you know, you, in, in, in business, the one thing I learned the hard way many years ago is you can't do everything yourself. So there's some things that you can actually outsource and get help with. And in some cases, writing emails might be one of them, but other people wouldn't want to do that either. And it's okay either way. Uh, and you also said like uh, you can tag people if they do that and uh, and uh, and can you explain easily how you manage your email list with uh, 90 days or daily or how, how you do that in an easy way for maybe people still are a one-man show or just a couple of people sure um now almost every email marketing platform out there will allow you to search for how recently people opened an email from you um so the starting point is you can do it manually um and all you would do is you say to identify your your best assets you would do some kind of search that just says tell me all the people that have opened something in the last 30 days um, and then you might tag them and you might send an email to those. And the problem there, obviously, is you then have to update that fairly regularly. Um, and then the same if you want to get the, the rest of your assets that aren't quite as engaged but are still worth mailing, you'd say search for all the people that have opened something between 30 and 90 days ago. And you might tag them and then you can send emails to those occasionally. So you know, most platforms allow you to do that. I have written some software myself called Defender that actually automates that process because one of the things that as entrepreneurs we really suffer from is we don't have enough time to do things. So my Defender tool, um, you know, just one, once every 24 hours, it will automatically find all the people that meet the criteria that I just mentioned and it will tag them and update the tags and so on. So you can do it that way as well. But you know, I, I, I don't like pitching my own stuff. This is why I'll always explain to people, here's how you can do it manually um you know there might be ways of automating that elsewhere as well so tell me more about your new company on your new platform or your new software okay so email smart um so i will quickly go through what smart covers before we wrap up but the, the main the, the main kind of entry point into the software that's completely free is what i'm calling the email smart score um and what that does is it helps you, um, it, it just, it looks at the emails that you've sent in the last 30 days. So it doesn't matter how much garbage you've got on your entire mailing list. We're only looking at your current behavior, what you've done recently. And we'll say of all the people you've mailed in the last 30 days, how many of those people are assets? 
and how many of those are liabilities. And then you get a nice simple percentage score and the higher the score, the better you're doing because the more assets you've got, the fewer liabilities. And then it will just explain to you in very, very simple terms, here's how you can make the score better. And just a, a little spoiler alert, you can make your score better by just not mailing the liabilities anymore. Um, okay. And then beyond that, then there's other tools and reports. I mentioned the, 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 the Defender software that I've created. And we're doing a lot more analysis tools and a lot more um, automated reports, things like, um, as an example, Google give you... Um, you can use something called Google Post, Postmaster Tools, and that will tell you how, how well Google thinks your reputation is. Um, so I've automated the monitoring of that. So if someone um, sets up Google Postmaster Tools, then I've got software that can actually monitor that every single day. And as soon as something happens to your reputation, it can send you a text message or an email saying, hey, your reputation has just gone down from high to medium. You need to go and do something about this. So there's lots of different tools and analysis that can just help people. If they want to get more into the techie side of things, then it can just keep an eye on what's happening. But you know, as, as I said at the start, this doesn't have to be a particularly technical thing. The biggest change you can make is just by working on people's psychology and just by um, changing your own thinking and making sure that you're only sending emails to the right people. And if you avoid sending emails to the liabilities, that's the one thing that can make the biggest difference. And although you, know, you mentioned open rates, um, now, the reason I don't like comparing open rates is because it is entirely driven by who you're sending your emails to. Because if I was to send my email to my entire list of, say, 10,000 people, I might get a 15% open rate. But if I then stop sending to 5,000 people on my list, so I'm only sending to 5,000, I'll send the same email to half the number of people. The same number of people will open that email. But because I've sent it to fewer, my open rate goes from 15% to 30%. Mm. And that's what Google are looking for. They're looking for higher open rates because they just want you to send things to the people that haven't, sorry, they want you to send things to the people that have opened something recently. So I literally can double someone's open rates in seconds just by stopping them mailing the wrong people. So it's very difficult yeah. to use open rates as a metric in itself because Right now, I'm seeing open rates for the emails that I send are between 60 and 70%, but that's because I'm being very aggressive with the way that I email my assets. And also, of course, we've got Apple, who, bless them, um, six months or so ago, they launched iOS 15. And one of the things they included there was what they call mail privacy protection. So in a lot of cases, um, the way that Apple do this is that they make it look like every single email that's been delivered to an Apple device has been opened, whether the person saw it or not. So unfortunately, that has boosted open rates a little bit, uh, in some cases by quite a lot. I think I probably saw maybe 15 to 20% extra opens than I used to yeah. because of this. Um, which means that you can't necessarily read much out of the open rate itself. But the reason it still matters is because we can look at the trend. If my open rate is around 60% and then suddenly it goes down to 40%, it means that something weird has happened. I've either made a mistake or something's gone <laughs> wrong or people don't like my content anymore. So it's still important to look at the trends, but understand that it's more of an indication of what's happening, not this is good or this is bad. Um, you know, because... We can't be totally clear who opens our emails, but this is why it's so important to make sure that every email we send has some kind of call to action where they click on a link. Because link clicks are monitored really accurately by any email platform that we send from. So 
it's important to get people to click as much as possible. Unfortunately, you're never going to get everyone clicking links. And then if you're lucky, then maybe 25% of the people that open your emails might click something at some point. So you can't use this as a way of kicking people off your list because they haven't clicked something. But again, you can use that you know, as an example. If, if someone hasn't clicked a single link in three months, then maybe we want to send them something saying, hey, are you still there? Just click this link to tell me that you are. Because obviously, if people never click anything, they're never going to buy anything. So is there a value in having people on your list that never click? Even though they're helping you from the engagement point of view, what's the point of sending emails to people that are never, ever going to become a customer? So there's, there's no right and wrong with any of this stuff. I think that's the important thing. But there's lots of food for thought that, that you know, it's is work out what feels most appropriate for you. And also, how, how much depth do you want to go into? Because it's like, if people have already got good results, maybe they can go do some of the kind of more in-depth work. But a lot of people just want to start at the start smart part, where they're just literally finding out, their, find, how, find who their assets and liabilities are, stop mailing the liabilities, and mail more often to the assets. And if people haven't done that, there's no point doing the more in-depth things. Um, the only thing that really matters that I would say everyone needs to do because it's a one-off thing is set up what's called email authentication. Um, so this is the only bit of tech that I'll mention today is we've got three, we've got three different acronyms. We've got DKIM, which is D-K-I-M, um, which is how emails are signed by the platform that sends them. And you can go into any marketing platform you want and search for email authentication and set that up. You do it once and once only. And you have to publish something on your domain record to make it happen. But once you've done that, you're doing something that the spammers can't do. And you're signing the emails to make it look more legitimate. Um, then there's SPF, which stands for Sender Policy Framework. And again, that's another DNS um, domain name entry that you publish that says, I, I trust Keep or I trust MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or whatever platform you use to send emails on my behalf. And once you've got those two things set up and it's DKIM and SPF, then you don't have to come back and do it again unless you change your mail provider. But once you've got that in place, you are much more likely for your emails to hit the inbox than you would otherwise. So definitely do that. And then the third authentication method is called DMARC. And if you've got the other two set up and you want to be you know, really covering every single base, you can set DMARC up as well. But because it's something that you only do once, then I would often recommend that don't necessarily spend lots of time learning it yourself. Again, this is something that you can pay an expert to do because they'll do it once. Once it's set up, you don't have to come back and do it again. It's not something you need to be an expert on personally. And normally, worst case, it's only a few hundred dollars to do that. It's not a massive, massive investment. And the improvement in results you'll get if you haven't got authentication already set up is quite significant. And you mentioned this in the start also, or before we talked, but I want to just make a point or, or hear what you think about it, because I, I'm a member in a lot of groups. I'm a member in Kajabi group, and also I'm using Keep by myself. They're also using acting campaigns sometimes, and I'm seeing, and, and yeah, and MailChimp and all these things. And sometimes I see like a big discussion, like, oh, I can't use Keep anymore because they're not delivering. They have problems for two weeks. So, oh, they're terrible. And then I see the same in MailChimp and I see all over. So, so uh, is this, so, so what I hear, as I understand it right, you mean that this has nothing to be the platform? It's more like it can happen every Every absolutely. platform and absolutely yeah. it is. I would say that less than 10% of factors 
are under the control of the platform that you use. And you know, all the platforms you named there, plus you know, all the, you know, there, there, there's probably 20 different email platforms that I know of that are popular and have a lot of people using them. And every single one of those, they have a team employed to make sure the emails get through. And they normally do an amazing job. Now, it's, it's Murphy's law that when you're about to do a big launch, the platform that you're using right then might have a glitch. And that's just sometimes it just happens. You know, MailChimp have had big outages, HubSpot, Keep, ActiveCampaign, Aweber. At some point, they all have some kind of little problem. Sometimes it might even last for a week or two. But the, the challenge you've got is anytime you switch from one platform to another, you will always see a reduction in performance, at least in the short term. And that's because Google, Microsoft and Yahoo hate change. Anything that you do differently, they're going to be suspicious for a while and they'll be more likely to put your emails into promotions or into spam or whatever, just because you've made some changes. So I would recommend people only move platforms as a last resort if they literally can't get anything through for some strange reason. And you know, as I've said, every platform I work with, I see people getting great results. I also see people getting bad results on the same platform. And the platform's the same. So what's the difference here? And the only real difference is how people are behaving, is what they're doing. You know, I mean, the, the analogy that I use is if someone's going to the gym and they're doing a particular workout and they want to get fitter, if they go to a different gym and then do the same workout, they're not going to get any fitter. And the same is true of the email. It's not the platform you're using. It's the way you use the platform. It's the behavior that you do that has the biggest impact. So we are also saying that um, there is not a good idea to have a backup with you during a launch and uh, everything just is like it will not help at all or? It's, it's, it's a very difficult one because first off, if you've got two platforms running that both have the same audience set up, you have to make sure they get synchronized. Because imagine if someone unsubscribes from one platform and then you then mail them from the other, um, you're going to get spam complaints very quickly and that can land you in hot water. But assuming you've got all that sorted, the only real safe way to have a backup platform is if you're in the habit of sending from both of them at least occasionally. Um, because you know, if you've got a backup platform and you don't use it for three months and then suddenly you start sending emails from it, then again, that is going to trigger, you know, and the technical term for this is called snowshoe spam detection. Because what spammers often do is they will send the same content from lots and lots of different servers to try and evade the filters. Unfortunately, if we switch from one platform to another, that triggers the same detection. So it's all about making sure that the mailbox providers are used to our behavior. I mean, that's actually a really good example about a launch, because if you suddenly go from sending one email every two weeks to suddenly sending an email every single day, that again is a change in behavior. And that will trigger Google's kind of suspicions because it's like, why has this person suddenly started lots more sending lots more emails? And they're suddenly more likely to put it into spam just because that particular <laughs> behavior has changed. So there's all kinds of things that you just got to bear in mind. Um, but you know, there's only you, you've got to be pragmatic. Um, you know, if there's a big launch where everything's at stake and you know it could be you know millions of dollars coming in, then yes, you probably need some kind of backup system because it's not to say the emails from the backup system won't get through at all, but they definitely won't be as successful. Um, but again, you, you know, it's as with anything in business, it's how much time and money do you want to invest in business continuity? Um, you know, if you can just delay the launch for a little bit while problems get resolved, then that's great. But most launches have specific calendars and timetables. So there's always a balancing act. But I'd say that 
Um, even you know, the, the worst thing that I can remember happening in recent years was October last year when Keep had a, a serious issue reaching Yahoo for several several weeks. You know, they actually got blocked by Yahoo. And even when that happened, I know people that ran launches there and they still had good enough results that it wasn't a complete catastrophe. Yes, it's always a nightmare when you see something going wrong in the middle of a launch. Um, but I've seen other people where, you know, where their, their payment gateway has failed during cart close and think, you know, there's, there's all mm. the problem with, you know, we're in a tech industry and things go wrong with tech all over the place. And it's, you know, the question is, well, how paranoid do you want to be? How much, how much um, time and money do you want to invest in, you know, covering every single last possible thing that could go wrong? But you know, for something like emails, then yes, that could be, you know, it, it could be a big thing, but I'm not sure how far down that route I'd go myself. The last uh, question I have for you is, um, is there anything I should ask you about when it's come to email that, I, I, that you want to share or, or is there any message you want to have to entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs who are selling their knowledge or coaching or some around Europe and Asia? I think the first thing is, you know, Unless you're already sending something every single day, see if you can send more emails out, but don't do that until you've identified your assets and you've made sure you're not mailing your liabilities. That's the biggest thing is just think very, very differently about it. Um, but I think, you know, beyond that, then, then, you know, we've talked about authentication, which really matters. So, you know, if, if there were two takeaways, I'd say from today, it's firstly, make sure you've got your assets and your liabilities understood and mail your assets more often. Secondly, set up authentication. And then really, the only other thing I'd say is, um, you know, check out the email smart score that I've created that can just tell you quickly and easily how many assets and liabilities you're mailing right now so it'll give you an idea of where you stand and it also shows how you compare to other people using the same platform as you so you can work out are you doing the best you can or is there room for improvement and that's very quick and easy to run and you can access that just by going to emailsmartscore.com okay and where can they reach you if they want to get in contact with you is it that same page or is it in there other places so if you go to emailsmart.com which is the main website there's a way of getting in touch there but people are always welcome to get in touch direct by email to me as well just to adrian at emailsmart.com or you can find me on facebook and connect with me that way it's just <laughs> facebook.com slash adrian savage and you should find me that way cool thank you i think this was great and also a good reminder for me i feel like you know, when you're building a business, it's all about focus all the time. And, and I, I know what they're talking about, but I don't think we are doing everything in awesome. And I hope this also is a good reminder for everyone who are listening in. And, uh, and, um, and also, I want to say in the last part, you're a super guy. So if anyone wants help with email delivery, you are definitely the guy to go to. So, yeah, Great. thank you. Thank you so, thank you so much. Thank you.